I don't want to say that I regret the, the biggest regret about the mistakes I've made isn't making those mistakes. It's that I risked so much to gain so little. You know, when I, you know, getting a DUI, um, that's a big risk and I paid for it. And uh, the best thing that I could have hoped to gain from that night of drinking is not worth it. And you've got to consider, you know, what, what means more to you. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste in the Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you again, and we are excited to have a new show guest coming on the episodes with us today. Justin High will be joining us as a three-time world champion in the art of Brazilian jiu-jitsu. We are excited to talk to him about all the things that he has to offer, uh, including discipline, the drive to motivate and win, and so much more. But before we do that, we're going to break it down for you and turn to Brian for our quote. Grit determination, the right amount of crazy, self-belief, everything it takes to be a champion, I have that. Dustin Poirier, <laughs> former lightweight champion of the UFC. Okay, all right. Dude put a hurting on, on Conor McGregor a couple times. Mm. They beat, beat him down with punches uh, the first of the two matches that he won. And then got the rematch, and uh, whew, if, if you're not squeamish, go ahead and look up the video of the end of the uh, most recent Dustin Poirier-Conor McGregor fight. Conor McGregor stepped back in his, uh, the leg, you know, just went yeah, the other way. I, I remember that. that. That was not pretty. Yeah, so um, I think, he, you know, Conor lost in the worst way possible. It was just, ugh, it was gross. I started talking about his wife and stuff from the from the stage on his back. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was so bad. It was way worse than the loss. Way worse. Um, but uh, even even with that, what was it, his ankle or his leg? It was uh, his leg. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was high ankle if it was anything. Yeah, maybe. But uh, he was losing anyway. <laughs> It was it was about to be a repeat of of the previous match, um, yeah. It was it was pretty brutal. The loss was brutal. The leg was brutal. The, the performance afterwards, it's just brutal. It's bad stuff. Yeah. And on that note, hey, this is an uplifting podcast. But so. Dustin, man, he's you know he's a guy who you want to see win. He's a guy you want to see be a champion. Even when he loses, it's with grace and humility and gratitude. And you know when Grit. he wins, he does the exact same thing. Everything he has. Everything it takes to be a champion, to his quote, he does have, including our desire as an audience for him to be a champion. And I used a Dustin Poirier quote. You know, he's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, our, our friend Justin coming on is a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. 
So he's won Worlds three times and Pans one time as uh, Blue Belt and Purple Belt, which at the 205 weight class, is uh, it's some pretty big dudes in that weight class. Yeah, well, uh, Justin is no small man himself. Not at all. <laughs> Wait till you, we got to post this picture on the uh, on the group. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it in the Waste No Day Facebook group for sure. If you're not a member, find me on Facebook. We'll get you in there. Find Nate on Facebook. He'll get you in there, and uh, we'll we'll post a pic of him. But pic doesn't do it justice. <laughs> no, we should have we should have gotten a picture of him standing next to us. Yeah, I just I don't want to look that small. <laughs> I already <laughs> feel that small. Would be embarrassing. Most of the time. You know what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, he's yeah. five, six inches taller than me. I think I outweigh him right now as he just recently had a tournament. He's probably around 215, and I'm, I don't know, maybe 220. But uh, he doesn't, he's, he's a big guy. He's just, yeah, big dude. And uh, more fit than me, which is probably faster than me. <laughs> In every way, just... Yeah, he was the first guy I rolled with. And anyway, we'll talk to Justin about all this stuff. Let's not get let's not get ahead of ourselves. Well, I think Brian, you brought up a good uh, good point with that quote, which is grit, right? Uh, I remember going to a global leadership summit and hearing one of the speakers talk about grit. It's something that leaders require. It's the ability to keep going even when things are just rough, difficult. You can't see your way through. It's it's the the rough and tough piece of leadership that's just saying like, you know what? Come hell or high water, we are making our way through this. We'll find a way. It's that determination, that that intense drive to say that we are not done. We're not giving up. We're not quitting. We're not surrendering. We will accomplish the goal. And that is such a, a critical thing, not only to leadership, but to success in life. Because there's always going to be somebody trying to knock you down. There's always going to be an obstacle put up in your way. And for many of us, there's going to be things in our own mind, recordings, you know, those types of things that, that pop up in your head to say, you can't do it. You're not good enough. It's never going to work. Right. All that stuff. Talking that, to me or <laughs> starting in, to in terms you. of looking like uh, looking like our guest. Yes, I, I think I am talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> I'm not growing four or five inches. That's for sure. <laughs> but that type of determination is is required because there's always going to be somebody either in your head or outside telling you it's you can't make it give up now find the easy way out and so grit is such a needed thing in today's world in every day's world anybody who's really it, it seems like these people are just born and and maybe there are a few but it's so few and far between it that it might not even be a real thing like if you read david Go david goggins book if you haven't you should but if if you've read it you know I don't, I don't, he might be the hardest guy that's ever lived. I mean, he's among them. What is he like? Hold Guinness records for all kinds of stuff, including <laughs> the most pull-ups in 24 hours. Like that, who wants to do a pull-up in 24 hours, much less the world record, you know? He's, uh, but he, he was, you know, self-described. He was fat, lazy, uh, low self-esteem, didn't care about anything, never won anything, never had a desire to. And one day he just said enough's enough. And he pushes himself through all these things. Can't Hurt Me, I believe is the name of the book. It's been a little, I mean, like, I think I listened to the audio book when it first came out. 
great read. Super motivating and, and like practical stuff that you can use. But it's just every time you read one of these books, you you like I don't know if it's it feels like there's a library in my head. No, probably not because I'm not a big book guy. Uh, audiobooks. So it's it's almost like these guys just become little coaches hiding in your mind somewhere. And every now and then you're going through something. And you can almost draw on a whisper from, from one of these people as a mentor of yours after having read their book. It, it, it's worked like that for me since 2004 when I started with Brian Tracy and Tom Hopkins. I'd be on a service call like, man, do they need this, say, tankless water heater, you know? A fan of them or not, when you have like a family of seven, and they're trying to survive with a 40-gallon power vent, you know, natural gas water heater. That's a joke. We're a family of six that had a 50-gallon electric. That's almost laughable. You do a load of dishes and one person takes a 15-minute shower. You don't have any hot water for 40 minutes. It just is what it is. And having a tankless water heater versus one of those with a family that size, it is a no-brainer. It's it's almost mandatory. So I'd be, you know, having a conversation with someone who could clearly afford it. No, no trouble there. But I was in the way. Like whatever I was saying or doing, I, I was the thing stopping it from happening. My poor amateur presentation skills. And, and I would reflect back on something I had read or something I saw in training but something that someone else said, it was like a little coach, Tom Hopkins, was in my brain and goes, hey, Brian, remember this? Give this a shot. And I would throw it out there, and sometimes it would work, and that would give me just enough confidence to keep reading, baby. Let's keep going. Keep wasting no day. Ooh, see what you did there. But, like, Can't Hurt Me, the Goggins book, or Extreme Ownership, the Jocko Willing book, these these are books, you know, with, everything that has to be dealt with today and whatever your job or whatever your role is or whatever you are at home or at work. These are people that are just so inspirational and and they give practical, actual steps that you can use to get better. It's really good stuff to have in your memory to draw on in those tough times. It sure is, Brian. And I'm excited today to talk to Justin, not only about his physical fitness and all the benefits that can come from that, but also just the, the intense grit that it takes to compete at his level, at, at the international level in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and not just compete, but to, to win. I mean, he's a world champion three times over. Um, and so we'll have some great conversation with him about what it takes to do that, and then I think we'll do our best to translate that into the service world. Yeah, and we get him, you know, I feel like we get him nice and young. <laughs> He's like early 30s, maybe 30, something like that. He's uh, he's only won championships in like blue belt and purple belt, you know. He's not even a brown belt yet. <laughs> I, I noticed that you're saying that while he's not here. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he, well, I don't think he wants to win the white belt championship in this conference room. You know, that's <laughs> probably, it's a little beneath him. <laughs> that's right. What color belt's yours, Brian? I'm wearing a black leather <laughs> belt right now, as it were. Okay. Um, Just checking. Yeah, so 
you know, he he strikes me as a guy who's going to take off and go somewhere. I mean, he certainly strikes people. No, he doesn't do any striking, actually. <laughs> he, he, uh, he gave up MMA. We did have a conversation about that, that he, he uh, wasn't really as into MMA. And then, you know, he's got a family now, so MMA is a tough one when you have kids. It's got just got to be, you know, it's a big risk. Right. Versus jujitsu, where there's still risks involved. But not like getting kicked in the head, that kind of risk. So, not a whole lot of striking. But yeah, he's he's going to take off. He's going to go somewhere, and it's cool to have have him on now um, before he starts winning, you know, black belt world championships, and who knows what's to come. Well, what is to come now is our interview with him, and so we are going to take this time to put Justin High in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Justin High. He is a three-time world champion in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. From a young age, he became familiar with what it takes to overcome difficulties. In his 20s, he was the source of many of his own problems. But then, as he became more serious about Jiu-Jitsu and realized that he had to be honest with himself and cut out the habits and choices that he knew would make him weaker or the consequences would be his own neck, After winning his third world championship, he started to see in each moment of his life that it is easier to see what is right versus what is wrong. And if you build a foundation of good choices, success will be the obvious outcome. With that, welcome to the show, Justin. Hey, thanks for having me here. Welcome to the show, finally, my friend. uh, I think I asked you about doing this about a year ago, right? It was at that tournament where my daughter went to her first tournament. His schedule was just that full. (laughs) He won, that was like Maryland or something. Yeah, that was a small one. I know a couple months ago when you came into the gym, you were asking about uh, yep. if we could do something like this. So, yeah, I'm glad I could make it in. Yeah, he uh, he won that tournament, <laughs> as it were. Yeah, I, tapped, I, was, I tapped the guy out in 10 seconds that day. Woo! Did it yeah. hit 10? I was telling Nate earlier that I don't think it hit 10. Yeah, no, it's pretty clean on the on the uh, video. It's 10 seconds. Wow, and it was like a, <laughs> it was a guy who looked like he was going to win the tournament. That's what I was telling Nate. Like, this guy was, I don't know, he was Brazilian. He just looked the part of, like, he grew up in this. And I'm like, ooh, he, he looks pretty good to be going against one of our Gracie guys, you know. <laughs> he tapped him. Like, Justin and I were talking, and uh, I was watching for a sec. My daughter calls me because she wanted this gi that was on sale behind me. I turned around and look at it. I turned back around. Justin's standing behind me. I was like, oh, what happened, bro? They cancel your... He's like, no, nah, I tapped him. Like, it just, he wasn't even out of breath. Just, yeah. Wow. Uh, I ran that move like I was drilling it. He uh, he just let me do what I was going to do, and it didn't give me very much resistance. So that's what happens. Yeah, I, I rolled with Justin. He was the first person I ever rolled with when I got in finally. And it probably felt a lot like I was letting you do whatever you wanted to do. <laughs> let, me, let me speak up for my man that lost in that tournament and tell you he was trying. <laughs> if I can speak from personal experience. Yeah. Well, Justin, it's good to have you with us. And we always like to learn a little bit about our guests, where you come from, what kind of what's your story. Uh, and specifically, how did you get into the whole jujitsu community? So why don't you kind of give us the, the nickel tour on your life and where you are now? Okay. Um, yeah, I grew up in the uh, in the country, not in Lancaster, but in uh, Halifax. I don't. It's a very small town, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah, yep. Halifax, Pennsylvania. But um, there was like eighty people in my graduating class. Okay. I grew up on a farm, you know, way out in the country. So, 
Um, I started wrestling really by middle school. I was really overweight at that time. Uh, my friends were like, hey, we need, a, we need a fat guy for the wrestling team, <laughs> and uh, you're the perfect weight. I was about 250 pounds in uh, seventh grade. Okay. So that got me into wrestling. I didn't win a single match my first year. Just went out there and got beat up every time. And then, what is it, my second year, uh, I don't know what happened, but I was really serious about it. I stuck with it, and that's when I started winning. I went 21-3 and three my second year. Whoa. And then Your second year? My second year, I was 21-3. and three. Wow. Then, uh, that was still like middle school wrestling, but then um, the varsity heavyweight, he, uh, he was this really big guy. Everybody loved him. He was on the football team. He was well-known in the community. He was at a job working while he was in high school and getting ready for his uh, senior year in wrestling, and a tire, like he was putting, he was mounting tires on trucks, and a tire exploded, and, you know, he didn't die, but he was pretty, he was not, well, he was not going to make the season that year. Whoa. And they told me, the coaches told me I could do one more year of middle school wrestling in ninth grade, or I could come up and do varsity because they need somebody for the varsity heavyweight position. And I was, you know, I have some experience now. I'm not on the right, the right weight. And I stepped up and I did it. Uh, I wasn't 21-3 that year, but I did win more than I lost. And I got wow. a couple um, gold medals that nice. year, to- different tournaments. Wow, um, as a freshman, you were you were you were over five hundred in varsity. Yeah, I was. I think I was like sixteen and seven or so, something like. I oh, mean, this is man. a long time ago. I don't quite remember, but it was something like that. Yeah. Um. So that went well. I did it another year, and then I was in about tenth, eleventh, going into eleventh grade, and I started uh, running with the wrong crowd in high school. You know that sort of thing. I tried to wrestle, but between tenth and eleventh grade, I spent the summer kind of partying, not. Not paying attention. Uh, you were running with Nate's crowd, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Not doing what I was supposed to be doing. And I actually lost like 70 pounds because by 10th grade, I was 275 going into high school. I was still not eating right, not training right, but I was committed. Um, but I was still gaining weight. It was getting a little bit out of control. Then I started partying and I ended up losing like 70 pounds just from running around all summer, you know, going from here to here. I didn't have time to eat and all that stuff. I was just partying. Um I still tried to wrestle, and I was still doing good. I'll never forget. I was still 5-2. and two. And the one day in the locker room, the coaches uh, heard some rumors about me. They knew I was sneaking out uh, before practice, smoking cigarettes in the graveyard before practice started. And they're like, you're not committed to this anymore. Just get out of here. And I was still doing good. I still wanted to win. But, I mean, yeah, they were right. I wasn't ready to do whatever I had to do anymore. Um, by, by the time I was 21, I started getting back into MMA, where I started getting into MMA, uh, started doing some little wrestling tournaments again. And then I found jiu-jitsu when I moved to Los Angeles. And I won my first jiu-jitsu tournament after training for, I think it was about a month or so. The coach out there in Los Angeles told me, there's a tournament coming up, the uh, South Bay Open in Los Angeles. You're going to do it. I went, did the tournament, won that. Um, I was actually out drinking the night before that. I was in a barefoot street race with a a Samoan guy outside a bar <laughs> and I uh, ripped off the skin on my, um, one of my toes. I ripped off all the skin on one of my toes cause I was barefoot street racing drunk outside of, you know, outside a bar. But, um, the, the day of the tournament, I woke up, my wife's like, you're doing this tournament, right? And I was like, I'm pretty hung over. And she's like, come on, you committed to doing this. You're, you know, you like doing this stuff. Go do the tournament. I went and did the tournament. I won my first tournament, um, back in 2012. And at that point, my coach was like, okay, uh, I'm not your coach anymore. Now I'm your manager. You have a MMA fight in November. This was like July. He's like, you have an MMA fight in November. So 
I started training for that. I was getting really committed. The guys were actually like telling me like, this is what you need to be eating. This is the way you need to be training. Like start getting ready because you're going to be fighting somebody. And we, I was doing Muay Thai, kickboxing, jujitsu. Like I was just getting ready, training four or five hours a day, living in Los Angeles. I was a bouncer at a club. Um, my wife had a you know a job at her place at, at a warehouse. Like everything was pretty stable, I guess. Like, you know, I was working towards something. And then we found out we were having a baby. Uh, and we knew like before we even moved to Los Angeles that we were going to have fun in Los Angeles, but we don't want to raise a family here. Now, now that time came, we found out we were having a baby. I told everybody, I'm going to cancel the fight. I got to go. I got to get home. This is not like we're having a baby and we're not going to do it here. Um, so I left there and I put all the jujitsu and MMA and stuff on hold for a couple of years, had the baby, found some new gems around here, uh, trained a little bit off and on. Um, I think it was about 2017, I ran into Steve Blackman, a local WWE guy, or I think it was WWE he used to do uh, back in the day. I ran into him at a gym, and he told me about a gym that some guys were training kickboxing at. There was only about four or five guys, but I started training with them. Then they got me back into jiu-jitsu at a gym in uh, Harrisburg. I started training with them, uh, and as well as the kickboxing. Wasn't sure what direction I was going to go with things, but I was kickboxing, I was doing jiu-jitsu and then the uh I won my first tournament back uh so now I've won my first tournament in 2012 and then I did a tournament in 2018 I won that I won the expert division at Anaga so I got a belt for it and then one day at practice in Harrisburg um they said I hit a guy it was more of a sweep not quite a hit but the coach said that I was being too rough on people I needed to uh, think about what I did and not come to practice for a little while. And that's when I said, well, he told me, he's like, not everyone's here training to be a world champion. I said, well, where's that gym at? And then the guy who I was doing kickboxing with told me about the guys in Lancaster. So I started to come and train with them at the end of 2018. I won my next tournament. That's Gracie 717. Yeah, Gracie 717. Um, I just won my next tournament. I was doing well. Um, let's, I think I got my first loss somewhere in there, but things were still going pretty well. Um, and then by 2020, when the pandemic hit, I was still training, wasn't sure what was going on because there wasn't even a lot of competitions happening at that time. And Damien said, let's go down to, let's go down to Worlds in Florida because I have friends down there. I like a trip to Florida. Like, let's see, let's see where you're at with things. Damien is Damien Puapolo, who is the owner of Gracie 717, who is episode 42 of the Waste No Day podcast, if you want some backstory on him. Sorry, yeah. buddy. Yeah, yeah. So. He actually talked about you in that episode too, so that ties everything together. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun trip. We had a good time down there. Um, I remember, I'll never forget that day. The thing that was like the most serious competition that I've done, you know, ever. It was world championship down in Florida. It was like in a you know big arena and everything. It was, it felt pretty serious. And I just remember when I was sitting in the bullpen, like I didn't. The thing that was different this time was that I was really, I was really focused on what I was there to do. Um, like I wasn't playing on my phone. I didn't know who was next. I didn't know like what round I was in. I was just waiting for them to tell me to go, you know, go fight somebody. Like I didn't know who it was going to be. I didn't like Damien told me that I was in the finals. I had no idea. Like, he's like, you're in the finals now. Like after I beat, you know, a couple of guys or something, <laughs> he's like, this is the finals. This is the world championship finals. And uh, the guy that I had to beat was this doctor who, he was a doctor, he was a wrestling coach for Stanford University, like he was an all-American wrestler, like he was well-known um, in the community, and we were both, you know, blue belts in jiu-jitsu, but he had an extensive wrestling uh, history, 
And I went out there with that guy and he knew how to, he knew how to move, but he didn't, he couldn't, he couldn't escape anything. Like I would kept him under control the whole time and he just couldn't escape. He wasn't willing to take the big risks. And I pulled out a, a you know, a tight, tight went over that guy. It was just a ref's decision. Like I didn't tap him out or anything like that. I didn't dominate him, but I kept him under control and the ref, you know, decided that I was the one who deserved to win that match, but it was tight. It was close. Um, I never wanted to feel that feeling again. You know what I mean? Because like, that's hard to say, like I'm the world champ. I, I won the world championship, but it's hard to, you know, say that I really owned it. And, because a decision can really go either way. Right. Like it was close, but, um, the next world championship came around in 2021. It was no gi worlds and no gi isn't even, uh, my preference. I love the gi. I love grabbing a hold of the gi. Explain what no gi means. No gi is basically like what you'd see in an MMA fight. Um, shorts, shorts maybe like it. a rash guard, maybe not rash guard, whatever. Like a tight but, um, fitting shirt. You're not allowed to grab each other's clothes or anything like that. People get, uh, you know, it's it's more like wrestling, MMA, that sort of thing. And then gi is still your, no striking though. No striking. You can kind of you can kind of get away with a couple of things if if, if it looks like a sweep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or so you right, thought. <laughs> right, yeah, right back right. there in Harrisburg. Okay. Full yeah, circle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there's, uh, you know, a couple little things that you can do. But, no, you're not really supposed to just punch somebody in the face or anything like that. Um, but you can use your forearm. <laughs> um, so 2021, Nogi Worlds comes around. I decided to go down to that because Damien's taking a couple of guys. So I go with, I go down to Nogi Worlds, and I... I breeze through, I breeze through the uh, preliminary rounds. I get to the finals, and it's a guy that actually beat me uh, about six months before in Texas at another tournament, and I'm up against him in the uh, finals at Worlds, at Nogi Worlds. So this guy, I really wanted to get, you know, I really wanted to take this guy out because he's, so far he's 1-0 with me. Um, I got him down, I jumped on top of him, and I grabbed a hold of his arm to armbar him, and he wasn't tapping to the armbar. I had it locked in the way it needed to be. He wasn't tapping to it. I hear Damien yelling. He's like, break it, break it. Like he's over from the, he's over, you know, in the sidelines. He's just like, break it. So I'm like, okay. And I just, I gave it everything I had. And the guy's like, okay, 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 that's it. And he taps, you know, and he's done. And now I've just won my second world championship. And this wasn't a decision, you know, this guy's arm was about to break. Uh, I've actually, I don't, I didn't break somebody's arm before, but, I tore something in there. It sounded like 50 sheets of paper just being ripped. Not this guy, another person before. So I'm familiar with what can happen there if you uh, actually finish the armbar. Because a lot of jiu-jitsu, we get each other in these submissions and you don't actually, you don't finish it. Um, and some people, I think most people would probably actually be pretty uncomfortable finishing an actual submission because you understand the kind of damage that you're going right. to do. And you Even don't, if not, just hearing the snap, crackle, pop is enough to put me most, off. Certainly, Most people don't intend to cause harm to another person, and it's actually like a little block to doing so. You know, I think that's natural for anybody is like you don't actually want to, to harm somebody. But at some point, like when you get to a certain level in this thing, you have to be ready to. Because um, they're not going to tap. Right, they're not going to tap. Uh, I've been in situations where I was in a submission only fight that went on 45 minutes. Like we were in this fight for 45 minutes, just going at it with each other. And the guy grabbed a hold of my ankle in a way that I knew was wrong. It was bad. It was not going to be good, but I've already been fighting for 45 minutes. I wasn't going to stop now. And he finished it. And uh, my <laughs> ankle popped. Like, uh, luckily it wasn't my knee that uh, blew out because that can happen pretty, pretty bad too. But 
my ankle popped. I heard it pop. He he let go of it when it popped, and uh, technically the match shouldn't have been over. But I was ready to accept that it was over. <laughs> at that point, <laughs> did you uh, tap the limp I, foot onto the mat? Or I did not tap. Um, so technically it should not have been over, but like I said, I, I, sat, you okay with it. I sat back and I was just like, all right, yeah, it's over now. You know, um, it was just a sprain. So I actually finished that tournament, but then when I drove home, the leg, the ankle was so swelled up. I could <laughs> Wait, <barely> what? You <laughs> <laughs> popped your ankle out and you finished the tournament. I finished the tournament. It didn't start really swelling until the drive home. And then I was having trouble, uh, with the gas pedal a little bit coming <sighs> back from Philly, but, um, Whew. I learned my lesson with there where I just Damien couldn't uh, drive that trip, huh? No, he wasn't at that one. <laughs> <laughs> but my lesson with that was don't go to these tournaments uh, alone. So I just went to one. I competed in Long Island, New York last week. And that was another submission only no-gi one. Um, and I told my one friend, I was like, hey, man, I'd like you to come with me. Like, I'll cover your costs for the, you know, the tickets or anything. I'll drive. I'm just worried that if somebody tears my leg off up here, uh, I'm not going to be able to drive home. So uh, he came up with me, and that was nice. Uh, I did end up, I lost that one. You can give him a shout out if you want. <laughs> uh, yeah, my buddy Jake Franks, uh, we went to college together for exercise physiology. And, uh, you know, we love, like every week we're bouncing ideas off each other. And, you know, we graduated like 2014 and we're still bouncing ideas off each other all the time about, you know, exercise, diet, all this sort of, or all this sort of stuff. Uh, he actually works for the Eagles for a little bit, a little while, um, but now he is a lumberjack. So completely got out of the wow. fitness industry, but he still, you know, power lifts and does all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, he came up with me. I lost that match. Um, that was my first match that I could have actually won money for, for competing. Um, it was a qualifier. So I had to beat three guys in New York and then I had to fly down to Tampa and then beat like four or more guys, but the winner gets $10,000. So that's kind of the realm that I'm looking to get into with this whole thing. And even though I lost my first one, just competing at that caliber, like with those level of athletes, seeing like exactly where I do stack up, it was, it was a good experience, you know? Yeah. And that went to, what was it? Double overtime? Double overtime. Yeah. <coughs> Justin's um, never sent me a video of him winning anything, <laughs> but sent me a video of him losing that fight. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But it was, yeah. uh, yeah, it was intense. I didn't, how long, how long did that go total? Well, that was, uh, it wasn't unlimited time. So it was 10 minutes. And then two two minute overtime rounds. Okay. And then in the second overtime round, he uh, he finished me. He got to start. We on the overtime, you get to start in somebody's back, um, you know, with your hooks in and you're ready to choke them. So he he got the job done, and I did not mm. at that point. But like I said, it was good to just have that experience and know like what it's going to take to enter that realm, you know, competition. When's the next one? I, uh, I've been looking, I'm not sure what's next right now. There's might be something in North Carolina in October that pays cash. Um, might be interested in doing that, but that's October. So I've got to, I'm probably going to do something before that. So Justin, that brings us to modern day. Um, and certainly appreciate hearing your story and all the, I'm sure that's just a summary of all the experiences you've had. As you look back over your career in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and, and wrestling and all the things that have uh, brought you into the current expertise that you are right now, three-time world uh, champion as a blue belt and uh, competing for more, what, what is it that drives that animal inside of you or whatever it is that like wants to get better, wants to keep going, wants to 
progress to the next level and see where you stack up, as you said. This is something that I, uh, I think about quite a bit. Uh, you know, after that last loss that I had, I, like two days afterwards, I ran a marathon just, just to, uh, I thought I needed some time to think. I needed to. Uh, yeah, I've done that how many times, Brian? I mean, I just like, <laughs> I'll just go run a marathon. I need some time to think. Yeah. I'll go text a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I ran a marathon last Monday and uh, I have a rule, you know, I don't wear headphones. I don't uh, try to distract myself. You know, I make sure I go outside and, and just go listen to nature a little bit. And I, I it's. That was a great time for a semi truck to go rolling past the conference room here, right? When he said, enjoy nature. And I just thought about semi trucks. <laughs> but I find myself uh, entertained by my own, my own thoughts. You know, like I, I don't, I enjoy just kind of visualizing uh, concepts and ideas, painting a picture and working through things. Um, and I think about uh, not to get really into religion and all that sort of thing, but I think about the universe and what it all means and what it all is. And that kind of motivate, that is my, that is my motivation mainly because I, the thing that I think is most re, um, valuable about religion is it makes you think about something outside of yourself or it makes you think about something that is observing you and kind of judging you. So I'm not any particular religion, but I feel like the universe is aware of me. Um, and it's, it's judging my actions. It's judging. It knows my most deep motivations. It knows why I chose to do what I was doing. It knows whatever I, whatever I had to overcome in the moment that I was, you know, preparing for a thing. Um, I'm having a little bit of trouble really explaining it, but I feel like if I try hard for if I try as hard as I can and I fail, the universe know it's aware of of the effort that I put into it and kind how of like the the parable of the talents. Nate can probably drum this up better than me, but where you were you were you're you're being judged for your effort for not leaving anything on the table, whether you won or lost. The, the the judgment is on how much you gave it. Right. Well, okay. So like one day I jumped on the rowing machine and I wanted to see if I could hold 1200 calories for an hour straight, like 1200 calorie rate uh, on the rower for an hour straight. So get 1200 calories in an hour on a rowing machine. Yeah. With no break at <laughs> all. And uh, a funny thing that happens when you start exercising at like a real high intensity is you start to think like, is this actually healthy? Like, is this dangerous? Or, like, is this dangerous? I'm you three know? seconds in and I'm <laughs> starting to convince myself it's dangerous. Right. You're yeah. wondering, you're like cardio anyway. Is my heart actually going to explode right now? Like, what could happen here? And like, I went to college for all this stuff. I I learned about you know exercise physiology, how the body works, how everything works, and I still get a little bit scared. I'm like, am I pushing it too far here? And I think that that's like a, it's like a funny thing that happens the way, I, you know, like once you start getting like truly healthy, you start, you're so used to being unhealthy that you wonder if it's actually unhealthy just to do something that you should be able to do anyway. You know what I mean? Like we're naturally supposed to be, you know, a certain level of fit. 
and athletic. That's just the natural state of humanity, uh, just people. And um, once you start getting like the way that you should naturally be in the first place, you're not sure because you're so used to eating junk food and sitting around all the time and, and not being healthy. It, you know what I'm trying to say? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the sugar telling you to go eat right. it. The sugar. Somewhere. Yeah. There's, there's, you so know, when addictive. you, when you eat sugar, your body starts to crave more sugar. And the cool thing is like when you stop eating sugar and all that, cause I eat a pretty much a carnivore diet. And when you switch over to that, your body starts to prefer that. Um, Oh, for sure. All of a sudden that, that like a ribeye becomes more enticing to you than chocolate cake with melted right. ice cream. Absolutely. Um, but what happens in those moments is you start trying to talk yourself out of it. You start getting legitimately worried about your health and your safety. And then also it hurts and you want to stop. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, I know that the, uh, I, I feel like I'm being observed or judged. And if I quit now, then it'll, everything will be okay, but there's nothing to be proud of in that. There's yeah. nothing, there's nothing to, uh, there's nothing to be proud of about stopping, you know, because things got tough or uncertain because you're tired because you're tired or you're afraid for your, um, or you're afraid for your health. But I don't think, I mean, it, I'm legitimately concerned sometimes, but that doesn't make very much sense. And it sounds like an excuse. You know what I mean? Like, well, I heard, uh, it was Will Smith talking about, I don't know what, it was like one of these motivational little reels or clips or whatever where he's saying, I'm I'm not afraid to die on a treadmill. And I'm like, what is he talking, like die on a treadmill? Like, why would you even think such a thing? Where can you be that's healthier, you know? But then he talked about how rigorous his routine was, and this is preparing for the I Am Legend movie, which is arguably the best he's ever looked. Yeah, he was jacked. Um, he was jacked he was, for that. He was like scary jacked, big and jacked in that movie. What well, was the Ali one? He was pretty jacked, but he had to stay lean too. Yeah, he was that. a little skinnier in so that for movie. For this, he was just big. Yeah, was, it was. Yeah. It was like, how is he that big without an ounce of fat on his body? And he said it was because he would spend hours on the treadmill, not walking, like running. Yeah. And when he said, "I'm not afraid to die on the treadmill," I thought to myself, like, what, what, "Where's that even coming from?" And then now you're saying you get to a certain level where you start actually. Wondering if you could do yourself damage yeah. here. Well, the big thing that I, I did do something to overcome that to uh, to get a um, handle on that. I bought my I got, I got a Fitbit for Christmas, and so I wore the Fitbit, and um, that tells you about your recovery. Like it tells you what your heart rate is and all that. My my heart rate sometimes drops down to like thirty three when I'm sleeping in the middle of the <laughs> night. Um, it it's got about shake you awake. <laughs> that's. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's still okay, though. 33, it's probably still okay. I, I, I looked into it. Lance Armstrong's dropped down to 31, and then there's one other guy who's dropped down to, like, 29. And, I mean, these are the people who've tracked it. I'm sure throughout history there's been other people. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I wore the Fitbit, and that gave me the confidence to, to make sure that everything was, you know, where it needed to be. My recovery was where it needed to be, and... You know, just as I had suspected, I was just trying to make excuses, and I was actually okay. So the Fitbit actually broke. They sent me a new one. Uh, after three months, it broke. They sent me a new one, absolutely free, no questions asked. They sent me a brand new one. And then after three more months, that one broke. Mm. Um, so I guess I'm just done with those. And, and so I learned shout out I learned. to Fitbit's customer service, not so much the product. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the first one I tried to wear while I was uh, rolling, doing jiu-jitsu. And then it broke after that, and I realized, okay, yeah, I guess I can't wear it while I'm doing jiu-jitsu. But the second Definitely one, wasn't when he was rolling with me. I, I, don't, me think, I don't think it's breaking. <laughs> put in very I, little work. I think day. it's malfunctioning because it's like, wait a minute, this person's dead. Their heart's only yeah. beating twice. <laughs> the, the low end is too low, and the high end is way too high for way too long. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Battery's got to be messed up or something. <laughs> well, Justin, I, uh, speaking of physical fitness and, like, pressing the limits and, and going from, you know, you said overweight to obviously – running marathons just for the sheer joy of cleaning your head. Um, our technicians go through similar, you know, body um, requirements, not, not of course to what you're doing, but like their day is filled with strenuous movements of their body. We've done entire podcasts about diets and, and encouraging people to get fit in those types of things. And, you know, as, as somebody who was, you said, admittedly overweight in middle school to who you are now, I mean, there there had to have been a mental change in your head as to, like, how you got there, right? I mean, you didn't just naturally gravitate to your six-foot-four frame of uh, physique over here. You know, that that was a process in your head. And, and uh, the technicians in the field, you know, they're often very busy. There's a lot going on. You know, a lot of them have families. They're working long hours. How are they... How are they supposed to go through that same change and keep their body fit and healthy so that can preserve their career as opposed to being, you know, overweight or, or um, you know, straining their muscles in ways that with awkward lifts and things like that that could prevent um, something from happening or sorry, that could cause something to happen that would hinder their ability to actually do their job. What type of mental shift did you make in your head to say like, no, that's not who I'm going to be. I'm going to be different. Yeah. Um I've definitely uh, been a, been called uh, erratic in the past and not thoughtful, you know. The The biggest change was in jiu-jitsu, if you freak out and start flailing around, you're going to get, you're going to get hurt. Um, somebody, uh, jiu-jitsu, like a black belt in jiu-jitsu will just lead you in a trap after trap after trap because they know how you're going to respond to whatever whatever they want to do to you. Um, so jujitsu, like at the very beginning, the first year, you just get beat up. You get tapped out. You get choked out. You get your arms, you know, bent. It hurts. Um, but that teaches you to stay calm. That's the first thing that you need to do is you need to learn to stay calm, look at the big picture, kind of back away from yourself for a minute and how you feel and just look at, like, what's actually going on here. I know you may be tired. Something might hurt. Um maybe you're hungry or whatever. Um, the whole process that I've been, uh, the whole process of fighting teaches you how to be hungry when you've got to cut, cut a couple pounds before a tournament. The first time that I cut weight, I, I ate five ice cubes over the course of three days because I needed to make weight. I needed to lose like 15 pounds in three days. I ate five ice cubes. I walked 22 miles on a treadmill and spent an hour in the sauna. Um, that, that will test you. I think so. Yeah. Um, Now, that's not the way you should do it, but that's what I did the first time, and I've refined it and made it much better since then. But the thing is, like I'm saying here, you need to be able to just take a step back from exactly, like, what's running through your mind right now, like what your body's telling you it wants you to do, and and, um, that's the first step. Um, The second step is you need to have... The, the biggest thing for me, the biggest thing that I've learned in the past couple years even, is a regimen 
um, discipline, planning. You need to have a plan about what you're going to, um, what you want to achieve and how you're going to achieve it. And then you need to trust in that plan and stick to it. So that, <clears throat> that plan that you're talking about there, I mean, even that might seem like a stretch for some people. Like, you know, we might have listeners who are saying, I mean, that sounds good. You know, I'd, I'd love to look like you or I'd love to look half like you, right? I'm not even sure where to start. Like, wh where do I begin? You know, I'm, I'm not ready to go compete in uh, BJJ Worlds or anything like that, right? Uh, I'm just looking to maybe start somewhere simple. Where, where did you find that progression beginning for you? Um. Yeah, over throughout my 20s, I'm 33 now. Throughout my 20s, I was there was never a week where I didn't go to the gym. Even if I was drinking too much or busy with this or that or whatever, I was still at the gym. Um As far as somebody starting, I mean, okay, you've got to make time. You know, you've got to prioritize. Like I get up at 6 in the morning now. I've gotten up at 4 in the morning before when that was the way that my schedule looked, but you know, I have a wife, I have kids, I have a job. And I train, you know, I'm, I'm busy and I still get everything done that I need to do because I just sat down with a piece of paper one day and wrote it down. Like, okay, if I get up at 6 a.m., I can do uh, 15 minutes of kettlebell swinging, a half an hour on the rower, and then another half an hour of, uh, of yoga before, before I need to start getting ready, helping my wife get ready for work, getting the kids breakfast, getting them out the door wherever they're going, and then get myself to work. Um, you know, like I said, I sat down with a piece of paper and I wrote it out in 15 minute increments, like throughout my whole, like what every single day needs to look like. And the more, basically, once you start doing that, you don't want to deviate from that because you see that it works. You see that you're getting what you want out of this. You see yourself progressing. And I think most people, I mean, I was never on like that sort of a plan before, but once I switched over to that, that's when I started actually accomplishing things and getting stuff done and, you know, being proud of being proud of what I've done. So uh, along the way, I mean, every, every man's journey is different for sure. And rarely is there ever a case where it's just nothing but up. I'm sure you've had some setbacks in both your career, um, in, in your training, in your, your body and in, in all those types of things. I'm sure you've had some things to overcome. What, what has been the mental fortitude inside of you to say, well, I know this looks bad right now. I know this hurts right now. I know this seems like a major failure where the bridge has been burned or we have no way to get across. What has been the mental fortitude inside of you to say, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to find a new way or a different solution. The best way that I can think of that is just, just recently, you know, like I said, we just had, uh, my wife and I just had our third, third daughter, Congrats. Um, Congrats, man. Thank you. Yeah, the daughter's healthy. Uh, everything's, she's great. Uh, she's actually the best kid yet. She she sleeps through the night. She's only three months old. She sleeps straight <laughs> through the night. She poops once a day and she smiles the rest of the time. So Sounds she's, like me. <laughs> uh, she's been, she's been good, man. Um, my wife has been dealing with a little bit of uh, difficulty uh, since, since the baby, well, even before the baby came, uh, she was having a little bit of a tough pregnancy and it hasn't been easy since then. And, you know, the week before my last tournament, uh, I had to take her to the hospital in the emergency room a couple of times. And, you know, the week before a fight, I'm sitting in the emergency room till two in the morning with my wife twice. Uh, that wasn't easy. And it made me, 
it ran, it, the thought had crossed my mind, like, do I pull out of this tournament? Like, you know, this is the week that I'm supposed to be, everything's supposed to be absolutely tight, point, you know, on point, everything. And here I am in the emergency room. And then I had a fever for a day or two. I figured I'd pick something up in the emergency room, you know, and I was thinking, like, do I pull out of the fight? Like, I'm hungry because, like, I haven't eaten. I'm, you know, I'm cutting this last couple pounds here, so I'm not getting to eat. I'm restricting myself and I'm sick now like it was like Wednesday and I had a fever and I'm like am I even gonna um, what if I have a fever like I can't go compete if I have a fever on Saturday so in my mind it, I heard a, there was a loud voice saying like you know saying all right cut the diet like go get something to eat go you know whatever let that go call off the tournament take care of your wife I took care of my wife I made sure that I was there for her and everything she needed but the other part of that was like, yeah, okay, you're not going to make the tournament. You don't need to make weight. Why don't you go have a bowl of cereal or get some ice cream or just something to, to make you feel better? And this other part of me, I, uh, you know, I can't entirely identify it, but it was like, that is just an excuse. You're just looking for a reason to not test yourself because this is going to be a very difficult test. Um, you're just looking for a reason to not go test yourself and to you know, eat some ice cream or whatever. And like, obviously that's not what you're supposed to do right now. Like, obviously that's not the right decision. That's the wrong decision. Like it wouldn't be, you know, there's nothing to be proud of by calling off a fight and eating ice cream. There's nothing to be proud of in that. So that's the voice, you know, that got me through it. So yeah, buddy. You, you mentioned you mentioned the concept of making excuses, and I think that's really where it lies because the excuse is always the easy path out. It's the one that says, "Oh, you know, you can stop running now," or "Oh, you don't have to work a little bit harder," or uh, "Yeah, I mean, you know, that couch looks pretty inviting." The excuses is what haunts all of us, and some people seem to have a a more disciplined ability to turn those away. Call it what it is. No, that's an excuse. I'm not going to take it while others seem to just more frequently give in. Do you feel like you were born with the ability to just naturally discipline yourself against those excuses, or has that been a trait or a tactic that you've picked up and learned over time and developed? I know, I mean, I wouldn't say that I was born with it, but when I was a kid, there was a lot of uh, difficulties. Um, I got beat up a lot when I was a kid. Uh, that That makes you learn something about... You know, you you can't just curl, even if you curled up in a ball and just sat there, you know, whatever, cried or whatever you want to do about it. Like it's still that's not going to make anything stop. That's not going to end this situation. So you've got to find you've got to develop these methods for overcoming the difficulty. Um, I will say there's a like born with it. I don't think so. As somebody myself who went from someone who procrastinated everything and put everything off and didn't really do anything that was uncomfortable and was super lazy to someone who, you know, found a, a at least a career wise ladder to climb and constantly took that extra call and constantly took someone else's on call who couldn't make it. And really that, that extra call piece being, being a huge part of it. Cause I know if, if you look back on all the times you exercised self-discipline, you wouldn't trade one of them for the comfort that you would have received for not exercising self-discipline. 
Like in, in no way was there ever a time when I, you know, the office calls you and says, Hey, the on-call guy's trapped. He's got leaking water heater he's at and he's got another one holding and we got someone with water pouring through their kitchen ceiling and she can't figure out how to shut the water off and you and you go yeah sorry i'm you know i'm i got the kids or i just had my second beer you know i know you don't want me to drive the company truck versus just saying i'm on my i'm on my way i'll go handle it and the moment yeah it sucks you're leaving the house it's 9 30 at night you weren't even on call but if you look back on all the times that you manned up and went and ran that call or, you know, now it's, you know, 90 degrees and humid and, and you're, you have someone, a family without air conditioning tonight and you run the call. You never look back on those moments and go, I wish I had not run that call. I wish I had stayed home and watched a little more Netflix. It, it never happens. It's only in that quick snap of a finger moment that, you know, you're whatever the, the lazy fat guy on your shoulder is telling you to just call it quits and, and stay cozy uh, versus the the animal on the other side telling you to get go get moving like you're gonna go get better you're gonna make yourself some money you're gonna make a friend for life in this client whose day you saved the dispatcher's gonna be happy your manager's gonna be happy and you're advancing in maybe a microscopic way that you can't even see you're advancing your career certainly advancing that muscle self-discipline like Justin wasn't born with these biceps any more than he was born with self-discipline right yeah that's a that's a good way of looking at it but every time you flexed it and and you you know broke that muscle tissue down a little bit ate a little protein and got some sleep that night that muscle got bigger that muscle got harder and ready to push more weight the next time and and I believe it's the exact same with self-discipline because back when it was really easy for me to excuse my way out of going out of my way to help somebody. Every time I like shirked the duty, it got easier the next time to just go, I'm good. I'm not doing it. But every time I pushed through and just said, I'll do it. And you get, you know, you get that little dopamine reward, that little serotonin rush from, you know, an extremely grateful client or, you know, having all those ribbons with those medals around your neck or, or however it is that you you get a victory, be it a CSR or what have you, then that muscle gets strengthened and it's easier to w- do what you did in the hospital, which was tell that voice to shut up, I assume, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't have a single, like the biggest thing it was telling me to do was go get something to eat, go, you know, let it go call it off, go get something, just go have a snack or some sort of treat. And, uh, you know, it wasn't looking like I was going to make it to the fight or anything, but I was like, if you, if you quit now, then this is going to be the moment that it's over. But if you just keep, you know, keep calm, keep going through, you know, what needs to be done, we'll see, we'll see where, where we're at, but don't, you don't need to be the reason that it's over. If you go cheat, you know, on your meal or whatever, or, call it off then you're the reason that it's over but you don't have to be you know what I mean like this can if it's going to be over it's going to be over and if you can't make it you can't make it but can't but not choosing not to right yeah. I, that doesn't need to be because of me and my decision we'll see we'll see where we're at when we get there and uh yeah and I, I felt great that day like I'm not trying to use this as an excuse as to why I lost like I felt great that day I was I was ready to go um 
fever was cleared up. I got a couple good training sessions in right before, um, you know, I didn't have any more strength to build any more technique to learn that week. So I didn't, I didn't miss anything, you know? Yeah. Um, just wasn't my day. But, um, I but again, it. like you said, you needed to experience that level of absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad, like you said, like, I'm glad that I didn't, uh, not go, you know, I would definitely have regretted calling it off and eating the ice cream or whatever. And thinking that you were probably going to win. Right. And go get that <laughs> 10 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's, that's another funny thing that we do is we just uh, convince ourselves of things, you know, like if I hadn't gone, I'd be able to, I'd be walking around saying like, yeah, You'd I would have positive won. you were going to win. Right. Yeah. Way. I would have won if only, you know, I didn't have this really good excuse. Yeah. Um, so that's a big part of it, though, is, you, you, you know, I don't want to talk about, like, right and wrong, but you need to be able to identify, your, like, in your own, you know, you need to know yourself. You know, you need to be able to identify in your mind, you know, when you're just coming up with uh, an excuse. And, you know, when you start paying attention to that, you, know, you realize that you, you're, I realized that uh, I'm sometimes manipulative and... Uh, I'm not proud of that. And by going through this whole process, I'm able to get that under control and not be, you know, not be this person that I'm not proud of being, you know, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've been in trouble before I've done, you know, wrong things. And this process has allowed me to kind of reevaluate, like evaluate myself really for the first time, honestly, and say like, these are the things that I need to stop doing. These are the things that are going to make me better. And that's really what this all is, is uh, just more good decisions than bad decisions that accumulate to, you know, world championship or whatever. It's one decision at a time, every decision that I make. You know, if I'm walking through my house and there's a scrap of paper on the floor or something, um, I thought back, I heard this quote from Benjamin Franklin, I think, I think it was him. Uh, he said, if you, can, if you can do something today, uh, don't put it off till tomorrow. So when I walk past that piece of paper, I'm like, you know, I could wait until later when I sweep the floor because I don't sweep the floor at noon. I sweep the floor at six or whatever. Like, no, just pick it up. It's deal with it now, you know, and just more decisions like that. Yeah. For that, for us, that would be getting that freaking McDonald's empty McDonald's cup out of the passenger side floor of your work van. <laughs> just, just take it now. Throw it in the client's dumpster if you have to. But you know that thing's going to get brothers and sisters and pile up. And <laughs> then a client is going to come up to your passenger door and, hey, oh, forgot one thing and open that door. Now you got, looks like <laughs> six people ate McDonald's on their, on, in front of their house. <laughs> yeah, but it's good that you can see, you can see a, a culmination of all those good decisions become something great. Yeah. Right. And it is a, it's a, it's a fantastic way for you to, find out the difference between, and I think it was C.S. Lewis who talked about, wrote about, um, I forget which book it was in, maybe Mere Christianity, but where he talked about if you're on a 10-mile walk, let's say, and I don't remember exact numbers he used, but you're, you're trying to get to an exact location 10 miles away, well, you only, you only have to turn left one inch at mile one to not even be close to your destination. So we, we think these tiny little decisions don't matter all that much. And in the short term, they don't. But if you make that one inch turn to the left, 
on mile one of a 10 mile walk, you're not even going to be in the vicinity of the place you wanted to end up. So yeah, exactly. Every one of those right decisions, correct choices you make leads you to where you want to end up, which for you was three time world and one time pan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one pan at Purple Belt. I've been to pans before. This I think this was the first one that I won. Um, yeah. What's what is pans? Uh, North and South America. So it's you know it's a big one. It's a big tournament. I think there was over five thousand people there this year. Wow. So five thousand competitors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so and it's you, a big one. You compete at two fifteen. Two. Uh, it's two oh eight. Wearing a gi, so it's really like two oh five or so. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You have to weigh in with the gi on. Two, you're getting down to two hundred five. I was two hundred uh, in New York. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm two seventeen right six now. Five? So, yeah, I'm six four. Um, I was two hundred when I was in New York last weekend, and then I always the the Fourth of July um, I had planned out for a while, so I had a pretty good time this weekend. I got the ice cream, I drank the beers, um, had fun. But now <laughs> <Nice>. I'm two seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that, I'm telling you. Yeah, <laughs> dude, I'm. I think I'm 217 and I'm five. <laughs> yeah, getting down to 200 at your size, that's a, that's a feat. Well, I mean, there is there is a slight difference between your two physiques, Brian. I'm just observing. I'm way here. more muscular is what you meant to no, say. I'm not saying that with him and listening. <laughs> no, not, absolutely not. Oh, the midsection he just pointed to. Yeah, yeah. there's a little bit difference there. I do have to question, though. You said about being, you know, it's not like he was born with his biceps. I mean, Mike Baverick, there's a guy who was born with the biceps. He's wow. currently operating with Throw right Mike now. under the bus. <laughs> Shout out to you, Mike. That was nothing short of an attack. I know, I know Justin, you don't know who Mike is. He's uh, He shares an office with me back there, our vice president of external operations. But uh, that was a, nothing short of an attack. You know, there are those guys that are born with it. He's not um, one of them. Okay. He was being sarcastic. All right. Well, those guys do exist. I have come across them. And um, that there's something that happens when you when you grab a hold of somebody, like when you're doing jujitsu with somebody or whatever, like when you lay your hands on them, you can feel you understand pretty quickly genetics not right? genetic it's it's not <laughs> genetics because i'm more afraid of you know a scrawny dude that's been that's seen some things mm. than uh than a guy who's born with 20 inch biceps right. and you know abs uh when you grab a hold of somebody you you can kind of understand like how far they're gonna how far they're willing to go and um just just immediately yeah 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 and I like to think that I'm one of those guys that like, well, people tell me all the time at the gym, they're like, man, like I felt like the only way to stop you was I was going to have to kill you. <laughs> they said, people tell me that all the time. You know, they say like, you just don't quit. Like, um, and you're like, well, you could also tap. <laughs> <laughs> That'll stop me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the rule. Um, <laughs> but I, when I encounter somebody, you know, like that, I can tell like this is gonna this is gonna hurt even if I come out on top this is gonna this is gonna hurt. Um, so that's just another like the guys who are born with it. Sometimes it's gone. I won't. I don't want to say it's a disservice to them, but uh, to get strong to get to be develop that type of strength, um, it's a it's a good it's a rewarding process to push yourself so hard. Like you know, through my twenties, like I said, I lifted every. Uh, five days a week through my twenties at least. Um, and I probably threw my back out like six, seven times where I couldn't even walk. Mm. Like how many people, um, repeatedly push themselves 
to the point where they can't walk. And then as soon as they can walk, they get back up and they go back and do it again. Yeah. You know, at least six times through my twenties, my back, I wouldn't even want to see what an x-ray of my spine looks like. It hurts. Um, but it doesn't bother me at all. It just, it's become like a simple, like I'm aware, I'm aware, like right now, as we sit here, I'm aware that there's a burning in the bottom of my lower back, but it doesn't stop me from doing anything. I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go push a 300 pound sled through the parking lot at the gym. I'm going to lift for a half an hour, do a little bit of yoga and then train for the rest of the night with uh, the guys at the gym. Um, so you're, you're planning on get there about three. Yeah. And then what's today? Tuesday. So, uh, training starts at six. That's when class starts. Class starts at six. So I'll push the sled for, well, what I'll do is I'll push the sled and then in between a round of pushing it, I'll swing a sledgehammer, um, 20 times and then I'll pull it. So I'll push it through the parking lot. I'll go swing the sledgehammer at the tire and then I'll pull it back through the parking lot and then I'll swing the sledgehammer and then I'll push it back through the parking lot. And I'll just do that for an hour. Um, and then I'll lift some weights for about a half an hour, 45 minutes. And then at five o'clock, um, either some guys will come in and they'll want to get some rounds in before practice. And if they don't, then I'll just do some yoga, um, until class starts at six, then drill from six to seven. And then from seven to eight, um, live rounds. Open mat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nate just emailed me from across the table while we were talking, asked <laughs> if he could come with you to do your whole routine t- this evening. Absolutely. We'll get a hold of your wife and kids, Nate. We'll take care of that. Don't worry. Yeah, about let's it. go. Listen, if there was a way that I was going to be dying young, that's probably at the top of the <laughs> list right there. <laughs> yeah, so that's it's uh, five hours. Dude, I was swinging, five a, hours I, of- I was swinging an axe and a digging iron uh, yesterday doing some digging at my house, and I feel I feel awful today. So, yeah. I, I get I get talked about like I didn't start lifting. I mean, I probably lifted weights three times in my life until I was thirty two in rehab, which was ten years ago now. Uh actually graduated ten years ago this month. And um I get made fun of a lot because I get hurt all the time. And I I do get hurt all the time. Like there's a shoulder, there's a knee, a foot, a elbow, like tendonitis, and I'm I always seem to be um messing myself up. And I know part of it is because I didn't, I didn't tra- like uh, my joints and tendons never really got exposure to this stuff the first yeah. 31 years of life. But the other part of it is, you know, I work out with people all the time <clears throat> and I am like, this is really the f- guy I'm working out with now. Paul is the first person I've seen that will go the distance with me, go rep for rep, which is like. When I'm when I want to put those weights down, I I do a ten countdown now, where I'm going to get ten more reps of whatever it is, and I know exactly what you're talking about with that. The people who came upon it naturally almost being a disservice to them, right? Because those guys that I've worked out with that were like that are not willing to go those extra. And maybe it's just three reps or, or four reps or one rep or whatever it is. But when you're when they're done, they're done, and yeah. when I'm done, I'm like. All right, now help me, help me get it up again, and now push it down so I don't, you know, so so I get some resistance. Now it's time to get the negatives, and, and um, you know, just like if there's any muscle fiber left in my body when I leave that gym in the morning and head here, I feel like it's a wasted See, day. That, that mentality transfers to everything, you know. Um, some of the, you know, some of the mistakes I've made, uh, I got, I've I've gotten in trouble because I didn't know when to quit. Um, that that's unfortunate, but that's you know, how I ended up in rehab, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I, 
that's how it, that's how it goes. But you know, when you're when you're in the gym and you don't know when to quit, you might get you might get bumped up along the way. But that's really how that's really how progress is done. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're doing jujitsu, and you you take it to that level, you might get hurt, but you might win a world championship too. So, um, that's it. Transfers it transfers across. I think there's certain types of people that want to push things way beyond, you know, the standard. And that's, it's dangerous for that person because you don't know when to quit, but it's also what makes you successful. Yeah, it did. It, and, and it translated here for sure. And I wasn't like that before, even before that point, really, I would say. I was always looking to be comfortable, always looking to scale back a little, just chill out. But something about being in rehab while my wife and at that time we had two kids uh, were scratching to make ends meet and I needed to get out of there with a fire lit under me and start making moves pretty ferociously which I've for the most part done ever since but then that just started to become who I was so we you know we got all this massive debt paid off bought a home within a year and a half of graduate yeah then about a year and a half of graduating which ended up being our first house we, we were in vegas before that never bought because that's when the all the crazy real estate or the the uh, market crash was happening so we were on the sidelines waiting to buy and just never took the opportunity fortunately because now we would have had a foreclosure on our record as well but yeah got out <clears throat> hit it hard there stayed hitting it hard in the gym Got hurt a couple times where I had to take some significant time off, but more or less over the decade, just been in nonstop. And uh, now looking to looking to apply it in other places, this podcast being one of them, for sure. I get uh, might get a little bit of heat for the fact that I put too much time and energy into something that, let's be honest, does not provide a paycheck <laughs> for, <laughs> for either one of us, which is uh, always strange to... Nobody more than my wife. <laughs> Just go all your back promoting that on, you know, Facebook while we're while we're chilling here. <laughs> the podcast that does not pay you a dime. <laughs> yeah. But it pays in so many other ways because, you know, we chit chat at the gym for two, three minutes at a time, but we're yeah. we were never gonna sit down for an hour uninterrupted and just have a conversation about life. More than likely. I mean, you know what I'm there. I have at least two kids with me, if not four, so I'm pretty distracted. Um, and then the people that we get to hang out with and meet and chit chat with have been, I would say life changing. I mean, I know that I'm going to get a ton of messages on Facebook messenger and, and, uh, other places that this episode and your story are going to do so much for people and none more than Nate and myself. I look, I look to Nate's waistline to be at least four inches smaller <laughs> the next time you're here. Wow. <laughs> Oof. Okay. Hey, what are you doing in 2027? This is pretty open. I'll be pushing the sled and uh, uh, swinging the hammer. So there it is. <laughs> have all these belts hung up. Well, Justin, one thing I want to ask you, since you have um, engaged in so much competition and at extremely high levels, when you go out, do you find it more challenging, uh, more motivating to compete against the other person on the mat or against yourself? Like, who are you trying to beat? I, I mean, I know, I know physically in terms of like the tournament and when the, when the round is over, 
whose hand gets raised, you're competing against another person. But is that, is it a motivation inside of you that like, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose to myself. I don't want to make those excuses or are you determined to beat somebody else? Uh, you know, it's, it's both. It's definitely, I remember one time my wife came to one of my tournaments and, um, it was one of these submission only ones. Another one that went 45 minutes. They don't do many of those anymore. <laughs> 45. I yeah. remember how I was telling you, Nate, I yeah. was telling Nate on the way here, like we had lunch right before this, uh, we met up here for this episode. I was telling Nate, I said, you can't like, he just, you just ran what? Six miles this weekend. Uh, no, it was just five, five, five miles this weekend. And I was saying, like, that's work. And and if you can put together five miles, you got to be in the upper 5% of humanity just being able to run straight five miles. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate that. I'm sure you jogged it, but we'll call it right. <laughs> so, Jerk. just that, that's kind of a feat. And I was saying, you got to be in some decent shape for that. And, you know, I'll, I spent an hour and a half in the gym with very little rest time every morning. So, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I do that morning lifted. First day at jiu-jitsu, uh, Justin was my my uh, work, my what, sparring partner. What do you call it? Yeah. Sparring partner. Yeah, yeah. So we train for that hour, and then we have a half hour of open mat. And, dude, I rolled with him for the first five-minute round. And then my 14-year-old, 140-pound son for five minutes after that, he – he just did whatever. Like I had nothing left in the tank. <laughs> and so like what jujitsu is, is like the muscles that you don't really have the opportunity to train normally are getting activated in a really hard way for an ex for like what might be 40 seconds, which is just insane. Think about just, just doing a bench press move for a 40 second clip that you never get time off of tension. And then, he just said he did it for 45 minutes. <laughs> this yeah. is just unreal. It makes no sense. Um, yeah. Well, the biggest thing, like once you take your, uh, you know, in your initial beatings that first year, cause every, that's just the way that's the, that's the, you know, barrier that you got to get past. But once you do that, you learn like there's critical mistakes that you can't make and everything else you can, you can figure out how to handle, but there's certain things that you just can't, allowed to happen and there's not that many things that fall into that category so once you once you're familiar with you know everything so even in that 45 minute match you know I can there's places I can go to recover for a couple minutes or whatever whatever I need to do but I remember being 45 minutes into this one and uh, this isn't the one where my heel got hooked and popped but my wife was there uh, I'll never forget the thought that ran through my mind was uh you're not going to lose in front of your wife <laughs> um, don't you're not losing in front of your wife you know we had plans we we're gonna go out later that night have a good time like I, I wasn't gonna let that get ruined by you know me losing I was gonna we were gonna go out because I was because I won today um, and then I grabbed a hold of the guy's arm and finished it you know 45 minutes in mm. Jen and that that was purely just on thinking about her knowing that she was there if she wasn't there you know maybe I wouldn't have had the strength to finish it I don't know but then there's, at Pans, my most recent one at Pans, there's a guy I went up against. Um, I beat him once. He beat me once. We both got promoted to uh, Purple Belt at the same time. He got third at Worlds. I got first at Worlds last year. Um, I ran into him in the first round. And he was up on points. 
um, he, he, you know, well, he was up on points and he was stopping me from, you know, doing the things that I like to do. There's a couple things that I, I typically like to do, um, more than others. So there's like a, you know, a game plan that I have and he was shutting it down and he was beating me on points and I just kept firing, just kept going. Um, at that point it's, it's this, I don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not thinking about anything except for just don't stop until somebody makes you stop. Uh, uh, just to set, set the tone, uh, set your mindset like that. You know what I mean? It's at, at that point, it's beyond motivation. It's not something where I'm motivated to win. It's something where we're going now and we're not going to stop. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. it. This is the switch is on and I'm going to wait until somebody flips it off. Like the referee says stop or it's over or whatever. But it's not, it's beyond motivation. I don't, I don't how did you develop that? <laughs> um, you know, this is something that I was thinking about. Like on my long runs, I like to try and record some of the thoughts, some of the ideas that I have. And um, you know how they say that there's like a fine line between you know, genius and insanity. Sure. Well, that's not what I'm talking about, but there isn't, there's another fine line. You know, there's, I think there's a lot of these fine lines and another one is perseverance and desperation. And it's a fine line between perseverance and desperation, but I almost feel desperate to, uh, to win. Um, I, 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 I can't imagine not winning. You know what I mean? The best feeling, the, my picture on uh, the Instagram, uh, the reason I like my one, my, my profile picture on Instagram, I, it, it really captured a moment that I'm, I'm proud to, uh, to have had, but I want, it was me winning the uh, Nogi world championship. And I'll never forget the moment. Like when they raised my hand, I felt the biggest relief in the world because I was there to win. And when I didn't have to worry anymore about not winning, I felt this relief come over me. Like in the picture, you, I can, you can almost see it. You can almost sense it. It's like almost like one of those sort of things where you can feel this, you know, the emotion of just absolute relief. And I think that's what it is. Like that's when that switch goes on, it's just this overwhelming pressure to not quit until you're, until you know that they stop me. Mm. So I don't know how I developed that, but um, I'm familiar with it. Well, there is the, the, the desperation tends to be, it tends to be more motivating than the inspiration. Like, you know, if you even just look at the sweet science, you rarely see a boxer that came from money, you know, yeah. he just lived yeah. the high life. Pops gave him everything and he's, he's, tough enough to go win world championships it just doesn't happen because um i mean even mike tyson was on the rogan podcast talking about his son told him he wants to be a boxer and he just laughed at him it's mm -hmm. like you don't have the killer instinct your life right. is too good yeah. so that desperation is real it's you know desperation for say me i don't want to i don't want my kids to move to detroit and grow up where i w grew up so i'm nonstop desperate for the next step rung of the ladder financial gain um you know gr growth or win for our team it it it. i'm obsessed with it i, I eat 
eat, breathe, and sleep this, uh, you know, this team here and, and where we're going, probably largely out of the fact that I like where my kids are and I don't want to have to, you know, move them to what I grew up in. There is a flip side to that, um, the desperation, perseverance uh, dynamic. Um, I think it becomes a problem. Like desperation, def- I mean, that has a negative, you know, sense to it. I think it becomes a problem when you, there's, you need to find, you need to make a line. Like for me, it would be desperation if like I wasn't spending time with my kids, if I wasn't taking care of my wife, you know, things like that. Like now I'm, now I've crossed the line. Now this is desperation. And so like, you know, you have to be aware of that and you have to set, uh, whether it's your work or whatever you're doing, you have to like set boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, you know, every night after practice, I get back home um, and I make sure like I sit down with my kids. We watch some cartoons. I make some popcorn on the stove and we watch cartoons, you know, even towards 20 minutes. But like I spend time with them and I'm not there. You know, I'm not sitting there on my phone. I'm not, you know, doing any other thing. It's it's purely just me and my kids watching cartoons together, laughing, you know, having a good time. And I the other day I had the thought I was like, you guys are actually pretty cool to hang out with. You know, and that was, <laughs> that was fun. Oh, um, that's, that's a, a good, what feeling. a great discovery Yeah, when, when you're hanging out with your kid and go like, I would hang out with you if you weren't my kid. Right. Pretty, right. Yeah. Assuming we are the same age, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, um, that's, that's the, what you have to do though is because when you become desperate for something, you know, that's when you start making mistakes, start, you know, doing, doing things that you wouldn't be proud to do. Yeah giving too much in one area and lacking in, in the others. Right. Which are the most important ones, right? Like if I'm saying I'm doing all this for my kids' sake, then they're clearly the most important thing. But then for me, it's easy to focus only on the thing that is keeping us away from poverty and, you know, growing up how I did. It it becomes an obsession or it can become an obsession and, yeah, too much focus in in it's the right area, but it's only right if it's just the the right amount of focus. If it's taken away from other areas of your life, then it becomes the wrong area. Right. Yeah. Well, Justin, this has been uh, good stuff today, and I think there's a lot of takeaways from our conversation that can apply to really anybody, but for sure the home services industry, as there's a lot of adversity, there's a lot of like trying to get better, a lot of excuses to be made, all those things. I mean, it's it's just great life advice. Uh, and before we wrap up here, like if people are just practically interested in learning more about you or about Gracie 717 or just Brazilian Jitsu in, in, in general, uh, where's a good place for them to go? I mean, you can check it out on social media, but the best thing to do is to come into the gym. Uh, you know, you can check me out. I'm on Instagram at busted, uh, misfit. So check that out, but don't waste your time. Just come into the gym. That's, that's it. Come in there and find out. You'll learn more about yourself. Um, you'll learn, you know, jujitsu. That's that's it. Yeah, and we have listeners uh, from across the country. I mean, is there a good way? Still come into Lancaster. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, okay, you yes. If you have to, if if they don't have a bus option, and maybe they're looking to have a, a gym closer to home, what's like a good way to pick a gym? Um. The gym's kind of, uh, if the gym, 
like any other business, if it's been around for a little while, has a good reputation, it's probably not a bad place to start. Like even the gym, like the Harrisburg gym that kicked me out, I still recommend that gym to people in Harrisburg that don't want to make the trip down to Lancaster. You know, I drive down here an hour every day to train. And I understand that that's, you know, not everybody's going to do that. And I tell them, you know, the guys in Harrisburg, they're, they're a good gym. They have plenty of members. The coaches, everyone's nice. They'll take care of you. They are knowledgeable about jujitsu. But if you're looking for a place to really learn about yourself and te- put yourself to the test and compete and be around, you know, a bunch of guys that are not going to take it easy on you, uh, then you come to Lancaster. But if you want to learn jujitsu and get into the into that world, just like any other business, you know, go to the ones that have like a you know time tested, proven reputation, and you'll be you'll you'll be fine. Okay. Speaking of uh, time tested. Um, proven reputation. That's kind of where I wanted to end today. So you mentioned, you know, over the course of your life, you, you had some difficulties as a child. And then in middle school, you started to experience some of that success. And then in high school, you kind of made some uh, probably less than profitable choices uh, and started to the partying thing. And then, then we kind of like jumped to LA and then we jumped through a whole bunch of other things. So I'm guessing there's been a, um, a fair amount of choices that you've made in your life that have gotten you to this place, right? That's inevitable. Some good, some bad. As you look past, uh, as you look back upon the past 33 years and, and you like kind of start to understand what all that has meant and everything, we have a fair amount of listeners who are either considering the trades, they're considering getting out of the trades, they're considering, man, I've been doing the same thing for 20 years now, right? They're weighing decisions in their life, both good and bad, that can have different outcomes. As you look past, over the past of your years and your decisions, what have been the decisions that you have regretted versus the ones that have been the most profitable for you? And, and how can you encourage our listeners today who are weighing some of those serious and difficult things in their own lives? Well, on the, uh, on decisions, mistakes, all of that, I was, I, this is another, you know, running thought that I had the other day, but I don't want to say that I regret the, the biggest regret about the mistakes I've made isn't making those mistakes. It's that I risk so little or it's that I risk so much to gain so little. Um, so, you know, when I, you know, getting a DUI, um, that's a big risk and I paid for it. And, uh, the best thing that I could have hoped to gain from that night at drinking was not worth it. Um, or at least the saving the Uber money. Right. Well, they didn't have Uber Uber back then. So oh, it was just a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Good, yeah. good. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that yeah, that definitely changed the dynamic. It wasn't it on the way here. All right, cool. Um, but it's you know the if you're gonna take a risk, just be aware of the of the benefits that you can that you can take from it, and. You've got to consider, you know, what what means more to you. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty much it. You've got to just consider, like, what's the best case scenario here? What do you have to gain from this? And if you're willing to lose everything in the process of gaining that. And you've stuck to, you've stuck to some version of hand-to-hand combat for most of your life, right? You've either been wrestling, kickboxing, 
sparring, something. Yeah, my first, I mean, I got in, in kindergarten, I liked a girl on the playground. and She already had a kindergarten boyfriend. <laughs> and uh, Got her in a triangle. <laughs> he came, him and his friends came over to me and um, they surrounded me and started, you know, pushing me around and stuff. And, and uh, so I grabbed the one kid by the hair and threw him into a brick wall and <laughs> broke his nose. His parents moved him out of the school district and instantly I was labeled, you know, a dangerous kid. And this went on for a while, and I told the one teacher, I'll never forget, I said, she gave me a piece of candy earlier in the day for getting a good score on a math test or whatever, and I was like, look, I'm going to give you this piece of candy. All I ask is that when these kids surround me and start fighting me, if you're not going to stop it then, at least continue not stopping it when I fight them back. And um, so, yeah, I've been, I've been doing this for a while. That was quite a thought for a kindergartner <laughs> to have, I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> Well, what I wanted to go with that uh, question is more along the lines like, how do you teach commitment, right? Because we, we all have bad days. We all have the days where we say, you know, I'm done here. I'm not doing this. Yeah. We, all, we all have the days that we say, like, there's got to be something else. Well, that's what I'm talking about, man. Uh, even, you know, every time you have an idea come up in your head where you're like, you know what? I'm just screw this. It's too hard. Uh I'm not, I'm going to, I'm just going to go to the bar and drink beer the rest of the day. Screw it. This has been a tough day or whatever. Like, no, like don't do that. Um, you know, it's not too hard. Now, sometimes you should go drink beers all day. Like I did this weekend on the 4th of July. Um, drank, I drank beer. I drank for 12 hours on the 4th of July. Um, <laughs> but that wasn't because, you know, that was planned out. It was appropriate. Um, other than that, you know, there's nothing that is going to happen to me today that is going to cause me to just blow off, you know, my plans and my workout and just say, screw it. And, you know, go to the bar, go to the ice cream place or whatever. Um, that's not an option. And that's all. You, that's how you have to. to uh, yeah, that's what you need to tell yourself. You know, when the, when the when the wrong idea, when the temptation comes up, just say like, just tell yourself no. Like, obviously, this is not the right thing to do. You got to just ask yourself: Is this the, is this going to make anything better? Right. Is this the right thing to do? Is this going to help me in any way? And you know the answer, right? And I think commitment is a foundational point to any successful person. I mean, you don't you don't get places without first committing to either the task at hand, the long term play the discipline that comes with it, it's, it's all commitment. It has to be, you don't get to be a three-time world champion by sometimes some days being committed. Exactly. Right. And you don't get to be a, a world-class technician, plumber, electrician by sometimes being committed either. It, it's a decision. You do need to give yourself, you know, breaks here and there. You, you should have rest. Uh, you should have a good time. Absolutely. But yeah, you, you, when, when you have a plan, that's that's it. You need to trust. You, you need to come up with a plan that you trust. Because when you start screwing off and not doing what you're supposed to be doing and deviating from the plan, I think it's because you don't trust the plan. You don't have confidence in the plan. Um, so you just, when you don't trust it, you know, that's when everything starts falling apart. And some plans shouldn't be trusted. You know, look at, like in the diet world and all that stuff, uh, there's lots of, wrong you know types of thinking in that world uh you know if you commit to a purely vegan diet you know 
Even gross, first off. What? <laughs> gross, first off. Right, right. But if <laughs> you, you, if you, you know, 100% commit yourself to a vegan diet or whatever, uh, that's not going to go great for you. It's going to lead to problems down the road. Uh, you're not going to achieve, you know, what, what most of us would like to achieve. Um, so you need to have a plan that's, you know, backed up by some sort of, I don't want to say science, you know, but some sort, some sort of a track record. Right. The evidence. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's something that, uh, you know, we, we want our technicians to believe in is, you know, the training that we offer on this podcast or, or many other resources that are equally as valuable, um, that they're, these have proven track records. It's not like we're just putting this stuff out there and saying like, Hey, you know, this might work. Give this a shot. I mean, to some degree, yes. Like everybody has their own ways of doing things. You know, if it's not Brazilian, Brazilian jujitsu, maybe it's boxing. If it's not boxing, maybe it's running. If it's not running, maybe it's some other sport or some other activity. Like everybody has their own preferences, but whatever it is, find the, find the something, find the evidence, find the things that are driving you towards being a better version of yourself towards greatness and pursue them and commit to them and the plan that goes with it. Anybody who knows indecision knows that it kills. I mean, indecision costs money. It costs time. It, it costs experience because you get, ah, oh, yeah, I'll try this. Then I'll try this. Then I'll try this. And, and eventually, you know, 10, 15 years later, you're like, I haven't really committed to much of anything. I've had a lot of different false starts. Um, but here I am and I'm still not sure what I want to do. And I, I feel for people who are in like their thirties and they're trying to figure out what they want to do in their life. I'm well, like, that is that, wow. that, that itself though, figuring out what you want to do. I mean, there's plenty of good plans out there. There's plenty of good um, examples of people who've made themselves successful doing this thing or that thing or whatever, but figuring out like what you want to do, um, you know, that is pretty much the hardest part. I think like once you, once you know what you want, you know, that's the thing, you know, man, mankind is great at coming up with plans and developing techniques and tactics. And, um, it's figuring out like what you want in the first place. Uh, you know, okay. So I have this, uh, little idea. Uh, do you have a minute? Do yeah. Have let's okay. hear it. Uh, just like anytime the lottery gets like really high, I have this fun, uh, thought, you know, like, oh, okay, if I won, this is what I would do. And so if the, if, if I won like one of those big lotteries, like a billion dollars or whatever, mm -hmm. what I'd like to do is build a brewery on the moon. <laughs> okay. So the way that I would do that is I would buy, have you seen the 3d printed housing stuff yet? Where I've seen some of that. Yeah. It's basically like a fire truck that they, uh, you know, pull up to a foundation that they've laid Yeah. and the boom arm sticks out at 3d prints, you know, a building. And there you have it. You just need a guy to sit there and monitor it, but it pretty much you can build a build whatever structure you need. So I'd send one of them up to the moon and then uh build a brewery, start brewing beer. Who wouldn't want beer brewed on the moon? You know, and you could probably sell them for twenty five bucks a can. Um but really it's not about the money, it's about the building a brewery on the moon. Um now this is a fun idea and I even have an idea of how it could be done. Now, if this was my life's purpose, if I thought this is why, you know, I was put on this earth is to do this, I could, you know, devote my life to it. I'd find a job with plenty of overtime opportunities. Um, 
just make as much money as I can and, you know, commit, like work 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week, whatever. Do that for like five years, save up enough money, buy an apartment building or something that makes me another level of money and just accumulate wealth, uh, you know, however I need to. And then I could, like, I could, I, I believe that if what I wanted to do was build this brewery on the moon, if that's what I committed to, I could develop a plan to accomplish it because Elon Musk has like $200 billion or whatever. And if he wanted to do it, he could do it (laughs) because he has enough money to do it. Right. Right. I mean, he could probably pull it off. So that's what I, that's just what I believe in the power of a good plan is, um, nothing special about me. Uh, just that's what the ability of, you know, that's what, that's what having a good plan can achieve. Yeah. And that's a great place to leave it. Uh, Justin, as we, we are constantly trying to encourage our people to have plans, to have something that they're working towards to, to being better. Right. And that's a big piece of it. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been good to hear from you and your journey and all the things that have come with it. I think you brought a lot of stuff to the table that we can take away and uh, what you call them running thoughts. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, uh, I have a uh, Instagram <laughs> page for that too. It's called uh, Sunrise Philosophy. Okay. Um, All right. Excellent. Check that out. Yeah. yeah. That's a fun one. <laughs> well, thanks for being with us today. Yeah. We look forward to having you back on. I don't know. Cool. When you, when you win your first uh, purple belt championship and then brown belt and then right. celebrate the black belt together. Absolutely. <laughs> Good stuff. Thanks so much, Justin. Uh, thank you guys. Hey, that's a wrap for this podcast. We hope that you enjoyed our time with Justin. It was good to hear from him and the thoughts that he had regarding uh, just so many things, including competition, getting better, overcoming obstacles, avoiding the excuses, uh, pursuing that plan that can get you somewhere and all the things that go with it. If you are looking for a plan, uh, this podcast is a great place to start, but it's going to take a lot more than that. Seek out a mentor, seek out somebody who you can ask for guidance and provide insight into your life, to your plan. Um, And of course, just begin trying it, like start off small. Don't try to plan out the next 10 years. Start off by planning out the next 10 minutes or 10 days or uh, something smaller there and put together a plan of action. Whether it's you trying to get better in your skills, whether it's you trying to get better as a family person or any of the things in between your finances, uh, there's so many things where you can apply a plan and you can make that. And it is a competition because you're trying to not only best the things that are against you, all the problems and things, but you're trying to best Uh, the version of yourself that was yesterday so that you can become better. And that's where we're going to leave it for this podcast, as we always do. We challenge you to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day.